Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, we welcome you. If you would be open your Bibles to Psalms 118. Psalms 118. We'll begin there in just a few moments with an introductory verse that we looked at this morning. And then uh, we'll go into a lesson of looking at the Christian foundation as we continue thinking about our rock-solid living series. Uh, If we're going to live a life that is solid in faith, it's consistent, it's strong, it's like a rock, we've got to make sure that we build it on the right foundation. And the scriptures speaks of the foundation in several different ways. And tonight we'll look at five different scriptures that will help us to better understand the foundation that God would have us to have in our life, to build our life upon. I want to uh, remind you again of Friends Day that will be the last Sunday of this month, the 29th, and there are cards like this at the Welcome Center, and so be sure and go ahead and get you however many you need to mail out or to drop off to your friends to make sure that they have plenty notice so that they can plan on being with you in Bible class and in worship on that Sunday and hopefully many Sundays after that. It is good to see uh, many of our men back that were at a retreat this weekend. Uh, they left on Friday afternoon and returned back this morning after the worship service that they had together. And I tell you, it was there were tremendous lessons taught over the weekend, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday, tremendous breakout classes, going into smaller groups and, and having an entirely uh, another lesson that, that just reinforced what was taught in those other lessons. Those times were tremendous. And to each speaker and to each that was a part of that, we appreciate your involvement in that. We especially appreciate... Uh, Clint McCullough, as he and Jamie Harper did so much. I know that there were others like Tim Martin and others that helped them in a great way prepare for that. And uh, we appreciate each one that had part in that. You may not know who attended that men's retreat. Uh, There's two ways that you can tell. We didn't receive T-shirts like Phil always does for the youth. We we don't have T-shirts. But if you'll look to see whoever's sleeping tonight during the sermon, just look around about midway through. Or if you'll just look and see who's limping or can hardly walk because several of us that were way too old went ahead and played football for part of the afternoon. And uh, you'll notice guys limping, and that's the ones that are too old for that. Do keep in mind that Andrew is in a gospel meeting this week at Pleasant Hill. Uh, It's not far. You get off the interstate and drive by the the airport, and once you pass the airport, there's a sign there just before Murfreesboro Road uh, for the street or the road to the left, and it's just down there. Uh, it will be Monday through Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Monday through Wednesday at 7 o'clock. So be sure to make your plan uh, to go over there at least one evening and support the great work that he's doing over there. God gives us a lot of good opportunities, and uh, let's make sure that we keep those fulfillments in our life or that we fulfill our life with those things and let's stay away from the things that are either wrong or simply indifferent let's invest our life in things that really matter and we'll even get to that later on as a point tonight as we think about the foundation we've been looking today at psalms 118 and verse 22 uh, the on the screen begins verse 20 but notice psalms 118 and verse 22 he says the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. 
We can understand the concept of someone rejecting Jesus Christ in a very open fashion. And there's probably not a person here tonight that at this very point in your life, you openly reject Jesus. You would vow and declare uh, to anyone who wanted to know, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't accept Him as the Messiah. I never plan on living for Him. But yet, how many of us struggle with building our life on the rock? Jesus Christ. How many of us reject Him through our apathetic ways, maybe through our ignorance because we don't study and we simply do not know any better, or maybe because we're allowing other things to choke us out from building our life on the rock? Tonight, I want us to challenge ourselves to make sure that we're building on the rock. I almost hesitate to read a paragraph this long, but I hope you'll endure with me An older gentleman back in the late 1800s, he was a very eloquent orator. And in his eloquence, he got up one Sunday preaching and he says, O virtue, thou art so fair and lovely. If thou wert to come down upon earth, all men would love thee. With a few more pretty, beautiful things, he continued. Later on that afternoon, another preacher got up to preach. He was called... Mr. Blunt. He was an honest preacher. He was in the neighborhood. He had heard the eloquent speaker, and he stood. Now, as we read this, he's going to make reference to a passage that I've already made reference to once today. It's in Genesis, the 49th chapter, where Jacob was blessing his sons, and he blesses Joshua, and it's a type of Christ symbolism. And so what I'm about to read, he takes the idea from Scripture. And he says, O virtue, thou didst come on the earth in all thy purity and loveliness. But instead of being beloved and admired, the archers sorely shot at thee and grieved thee. They took thee, virtue, and hung thy quivering limbs upon a cross. And when thou didst hang there dying, they hissed at thee. They mocked thee. They scorned thee. When thou didst ask for water, they gave thee vinegar to drink mingled with gall. Yea, when thou didst, when thou diedst, or did die, thou hadst a tomb from charity, and that tomb sealed by enmity and hatred. It's sometimes hard for me to accept the fact that Jesus has been so rejected. When you and I go about our world tomorrow, we will run into more people that have rejected Jesus than have lived for Jesus. When we drive down the interstate, by far the majority have rejected that stone of Israel. By far the majority have stumbled over Him and would mock Him and they would hiss His ways even today. Friends, when we plead from the Scriptures tonight in our study for us to build our life on the foundation of Jesus, we have to realize we're not making an easy plea. We're not making a plea that places us with the majority. We're making an honest, spiritual, eternal, focused plea. Let's be different. Let's build our life where most will not build their life. Let's build a life that most will never experience.
And then let's do all we can do to encourage as many as possible to build with us and with our Lord. And so as we think about various aspects of the Christian faith and we think about the foundation, turn with me if you will to Matthew the 16th chapter. We have five passages and I, I preached a little bit long this morning and none of you gave me grief about it. And I appreciate that, but I still need to do better. And so I'm going to try my best to give you just a little bit shorter tonight. But that's hard to do in five passages. But these are passages a lot of us have read before. And, and we're, we're smart enough to take these passages and see what God's will is for our foundation. And let's look at that. We're in Matthew, the 16th chapter. And let's begin reading at verse 16. Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said to Jesus, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You see, now we're about to read about a foundation that is of deity. We're not talking about building our life on men. We're not talking about building our life on our own selfish ways. We're talking about building a life that's higher, it's greater than what we would ever build on our own because it's not of man. And so he says in verse 18, And I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now where was that church going to be built? Upon the rock. What was the rock? The rock was the confession that he was and is Jesus Christ, the son of not a dead God, the son of the living God. And we all have to decide, am I going to build my rock on God or my life on the rock which is God or am I going to build my life by whatever my selfish motive is at the time? Am I going to build it at whatever pulls me by the peer group that I'm surrounded by? Or can I say, as Peter said this morning, I want to listen more to God than I do to you or to myself or to Satan. We decide where we build our life. And if we build our life on Christ, He places us in the church. And when we build in the church, the gates of Hades could not even stop the beginning of the church. Do you realize that if Satan could have kept Jesus in the grave, the church would not have been established? Do you realize that's what Jesus is prophesying about right here? Yes, you'll take me to the cross. I'll give my life for the cross. But even my death, can't stop my plan from being fulfilled. And here, here's the application for us. When we build our life on the rock of Jesus Christ, our death won't stop God's plan from being fulfilled either. All of us are going to go to that grave. All of us are going to bid farewell to the ones we love. But if we die in the Lord, death has not won. Because we have built a life on a rock that has already conquered death. So we want to build on a foundation that is of deity, not of our own will. Look with me, if you will, back to Matthew, the 7th chapter, and let's look at a solid foundation here that we must build upon. Matthew, the 7th chapter. Our children know this probably better than we know this because they sing it more often than we sing it. And it's a shame that we call that a children's song in many ways because it's a message that we need to ring in our minds every day. In Matthew, the 7th chapter, let's think about the solid foundation that we're to build on. Beginning verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine... You see, now that's the emphasis that we want to bring out tonight. It's whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. It's hearing and doing. It's faith, just as James spoke of. It's faith that is alive and working. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, verse 24, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and it beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and they built on a house, and it fell, and great was its fall. What is the rock? Well, we know that Jesus is that rock, but do you see how Jesus makes it one in principle? When he's saying, when you build your life on my words, you've built your life on the rock. You know, it's a fair question to ask. Okay, Lord, I do want to build my, house, my life on your rock. But Lord, I don't know exactly how to do it. He says, let me make it real simple. You read what I ask you to do and do it. You read the things that I ask you to avoid in your life and avoid them. You love what I love, and you hate what I hate. And you're building your life on the rock. Where's your heart? Where's your ears? What provokes? What's the motive behind your actions? All of that defines if we're building on the rock. Are we truly building on the sayings of Jesus Christ? Now, as we think about a solid foundation, all of us have probably walked through a house or been maybe, especially those of you maybe that have walked through some old barns. You know, I've walked through some old barns where you go across a corn crib and you honestly thought the floor wasn't going to hold you across. You know, and immediately you think it's not sure, it's not solid. If the Lord right now was going to put a, a gauge, a measurement on you from scale of 1 to 10, 1 being very unstable, 10 being very stable, and He was going to say, I want to tell you how solid their faith is right now. You say, well, how would he measure that? Based upon whether or not you've been keeping his sayings. Would he say you're not doing very well? Would he say you're average? That's not very well either. Or would he say, oh, there are ten. They live by my words. A hundred years ago, we read these writings of J.W. McGarvey as he talked about what it was to find the rock of Jesus Christ. And he says, Back to Christ let us go, but let us not forget that when we reach the writing of His apostles, whom He authorized to speak in His name and qualified to speak with absolute authority, we have gone back to Him. What a beautiful thought. We build our life on the rock when we go all the way back to the Scriptures that Jesus has brought forth and His new covenant. Look with me, if you will, as we go to Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians, the second chapter, as we think about this, let's think about going back to the foundation on a daily basis. In other words, and that's probably not the best way to word it, but what we're getting at there is we build our life and we stay there. It's not a Sunday religion. It's not something we do unless we're on vacation, unless we're on a business trip, unless we go to this certain place with this certain group. It's where we live our life. We build it on that rock, and daily you can find us at that location. Now, as we look at Ephesians, the second chapter, we see that Paul has been writing about how the blood of Jesus would bring the Jews and the Gentiles together. It tears down barriers. It makes us one with God. And then he closes this chapter with a beautiful writing, beginning at verse 19, as he talks about what we are to build, where we are to build. Look at 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the 
household of God. The idea there is the family of God. So we're members of the family of God. Notice where the family of God is built. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. That's what we've been studying about this morning. In whom... The whole building, remember the whole building back at the end of 19 were the members of the family of God. And those members build their life on the foundation of Jesus, His apostles' writings, and etc. And so in 21, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also were being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now, those last two verses are very revealing about our responsibility as we build upon the rock. I have to be able to get along with my brothers and sisters or I'm not doing something right on the rock. This building is to be built together and we're all members building on the same foundation. Now, some may say, I wish so-and-so would build on the other side of that foundation. We can't say that we hate our brother and love God what John taught us. Friends, we're building on one foundation if we're one church. And it's important that we realize not only are we members working to be built together, that's love and patience and endurance with each other, but when we do it right, we've built a place for the Spirit of God to dwell. How's the community around us ever going to see God? Remember in John 13 that when they see our love one for another, they then see that we are disciples of Jesus. You see, it's the same teaching right here in principle. When we build on that foundation as a family of God and we're built together, a place for God to dwell, those around us, they see the way we love each other, the way we serve each other, the way we endure with each other, and they know there's something on that rock that they would like to have also. We build there and we stay there. I want to beg you, out of a crowd this size and because we live in the real world, there'll be somebody in this congregation that'll get their their feelings hurt over the next few months. Maybe today, next week, Next month, I want to beg you, don't leave the foundation because someone has hurt you. Don't leave the foundation because someone mistreats you. Don't leave the foundation because someone gossips. Instead, turn and and go in love after prayer to that brother or that sister. And approach them as someone that you want to spend the rest of this earth and the rest of eternity in the same foundation, in the same heaven. And just talk with them. I don't understand exactly why you said that, but I'm sure that if you can explain it, I'll understand it better. Wouldn't that be a lot better than leaving the rock? We make our decision where we live our life, and I want to tell you something that's never going to stand on the day of judgment. Lord, I left your church because so-and-so hurt my feelings. Now, you just imagine you standing in line right behind the Apostle Paul. 
And then you try to walk up there and give that one. It's not going to go very far. Consider, if you will, with me, Hebrews the 6th chapter. Hebrews the 6th chapter. Let's look in verse 1 and 2, and let's think about as we build beyond the foundation. In other words, I remember a place when I was growing up that we'd drive by occasionally. It was several miles from the house, but every time we'd drive by it, there was a structure that the only thing that was there was just the foundation. So I don't know if you'd really call it a structure, but all it was, and it was just interesting to drive by it, and two or three years later, drive by, and it's still just a foundation. Drive by, and it was still just a foundation. We're about to read a passage where the Lord is saying, foundation's important, but you better build something on top of that foundation or you've missed the whole point. Let's look at Hebrews the 6th chapter 1 and 2 and let's consider what we're building beyond the foundation. Verse 1 and 2, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. All right, do you see what we've covered to this point? We have to leave the foundation. We should not go back day after day, year after year, and still be working on the foundation. Well, he gives. Now, at this point, we're talking about our foundations of our faith. We've taken just a little bit different spin on the word foundation here. We're talking about the foundations of our faith. We build the foundation is the rock, the foundation of our faith. Here's some things that he lists. He lists six things here that are elementary principles. In other words, they're a part of the foundation of what needs to be a part of our faith, but we need to get beyond this also uh, and, and learn more and be able to accomplish more. And so let's continue here. He says, let's go on perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the dead, works, and of faith toward God. Now in the next verse, he's going to list four more, but let's, let's just mention something quickly about each of these. As we see this, the idea of repentance... It is from the works that would destroy us from God. You know, repentance means to turn and to change. So there's no doubt that that's why he lists the next one near this, because the next one, they says, is faith toward God. In other words, the idea of repentance is turning away from the sinful works and turning to God. Now, that's something we're to do as we become a Christian. That's some of the very first and most basic understanding. In other words, someone comes up to you and they're living in the depths of the world and they would say, tell me something about a better life. Well, one of the first things we would talk about is a God that they ought to have faith in and a world that they ought to stop living in. Repent. Turn toward God. That's the very first things we ought to have accomplished and move beyond that. Notice, if you will, verse 2 of the doctrines of baptism and of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Each of these are things that we should have already mastered in understanding and we're ready to move on to accomplish other things. Notice in verse 2 a very unusual rendering, and I say unusual only in the sense of what we would expect. Uh, unusual also in the sense of we don't see it in the scriptures listed this way many times. Baptism with an S on the end. Plurality there, as he says, the doctrine of baptisms. You know, today there are many baptisms that's taught in the religious world. We need to understand what is the true one baptism of Ephesians 4. And we need to be able to know what is false teaching also. Remember in the book of Acts, there was a problem in the 19th chapter of John's baptism was still being taught. There the apostles were having to deal with baptisms, the ones that were wrong, and teaching and educating people on the one that was right. 
1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, Paul writes, and he addresses a baptism that's wrong, baptism of the dead. And he also spoke and of, of the true one baptism that we read of in the Scriptures. And so it is. We need to know what is the one baptism that's taught in the Scriptures, that's of Jesus Christ, that's relevant for us today. But notice also in verse 2, he says, the laying on of hands. It's interesting how many people still believe in the miraculous powers that the apostles had, that individuals still have that today. You know, there's one aspect that those people seem to always overlook. You know, in the Scriptures, the only way we ever see that miraculous power being able to be bestowed to another individual was the apostles themselves laying hands on that person. But once the apostles died, and then everyone else that had their hands laid on them passed away, there wouldn't be any more miracles. Now, what's interesting to me is that this is one of the things that we need to understand today, and apparently even in the first century, it was something that was being misunderstood. And the Hebrew writer takes that and says, we need to get that straight in the elementary years. We need to understand that. Now, notice another thing he says of the resurrection of the dead. There definitely is a lot of false teaching about the resurrection of the dead. If I mentioned to you the Left Behind series... How many books have been sold? If I say to you the word rapture, how many images are conjured up in the mind? And how many, even that claim to be faithful Christians, believe in all kind of things that aren't taught in the Scriptures at all that have to do with the end days, the last time of this earth? But then notice that last one, that is of eternal judgment. We need to be aware of eternal judgment. It's, it's a foundational uh, truth of our faith. But we need to be able to understand these six things. We need to be able to understand them well. But we need to get to the point that we can move beyond that. Then we can readily teach that to other people and that we can go about living our Christian life. But something's wrong if somebody comes up and asks us questions about this and we say, I don't know. You mean to tell me you're satisfied with living on a bare foundation that never goes beyond the bare foundation? That's what the Hebrew writer is talking about. Don't let somebody come up and ask you about these things and not have anything above that that you can say. Let's close this evening as we look in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. We think about what we are going to build on that foundation. Oh, man, we got to go here. Let's read it and make a brief statement. In, in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, look at verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, so now we're talking about what's on top of the foundation. Now, they might build with gold, silver, precious stones, and then we see a different grouping. Wood, hay, straw, each one's, notice this word, each one's work will become clear for the day, talking about the day of judgment, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yes, so as through fire. 
Now, there have been many things taught about this passage. A lot of confusion comes from this passage. I do not claim to know it all, but let me give you what I believe that this passage is teaching. Over and over, the emphasis is upon the work that an individual does. But because of the last verse we read there in verse 15, we know that he's not talking about sinful works that would separate us from God. In other words, it seems that what he is literally teaching us is that there are some works that we may be involved in that they are not sinful in and of themselves, but it's not going to produce anything positive on the day of judgment. We could say it this way. In life, why don't we stop trying to just choose only what's right and wrong, but let's identify this way. Okay, this is wrong and this is right. Now, the things that are right... Instead of just saying, if it's right, it's good enough for me, why don't we say, now, what is best? Not just good, what is best? What is it that on the day of judgment is going to bring about the greatest eternal results? What about if I watch TV every night this week and give no thought about who I'm going to invite to Friends Day? What about if another friend spends some time this week making some phone calls one or two nights a week? Making, uh, putting out some postcards one or two nights this week. They stand on the day of judgment. Are you going to be lost? Your soul going to be lost because you watch TV? If it was appropriate programming, probably not. But how is that going to have any eternal blessings on the day of judgment? Whereas on the other hand, your friend that invested their life in things that was good, like another soul, that they too now are standing on the day of judgment and that soul is going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now that's a work that the fire is only going to make it more precious, more purified, a greater reward. The fire burns up the wood, the hay, and the stubble. But the fire only makes the precious metals more precious. How do you see the day of judgment? Do you see yourself on a firm foundation believing that you constantly are giving your best to the Lord? I want to choose between right and wrong and I want to choose right. I got to tell you something that weighs on me often is how do you choose between the good and the best? We need to give a lot of prayer for wisdom to make sure that we know the difference in that. Because, friends, that's the difference in strong and vibrant congregations and congregations that are apathetic. That's the difference in lives that touch the lives of others and lives that are just, well, they're good people. That's the difference in expanding the population of heaven and not really taking anybody with you. Tonight, let's build a foundation. Let's build on that foundation exactly what God would want us to build. Tonight, are you a part of the building of God? Have you been baptized into Christ? If not, won't you do that tonight? Maybe you have started on that foundation, but you haven't built a lot that is a value. Maybe you've left the foundation. If you need to repent of sins, confess them. If we can help you in any way, come